0: Chapter 7, Different Types of Witchcraft and Magic Now that you have a better understanding of the magical universe in which you live and perhaps have met some of your spirit helpers, it's time to start thinking about how you might like to proceed along your journey as a witch. Just as musicians approach their craft in very personal ways, so do witches. Some musicians are classically trained and perform complicated pieces in concert halls or with orchestras. Others can't even read music and prefer to jam in a more casual manner. Witches, too, may choose to tread a simple path or an incredibly complex one. Kitchen and hedge witches, for example, generally practice uncomplicated natural magic. They usually don't belong to a coven, though they may join forces with other witches for special purposes. Solitary practitioners, they depend on self-study, insight, creativity, and intuition as their guideposts. Their practice usually includes plant and herbal magic, often for the purpose of healing. Other witches perform magic with more ritualistic overtones, drawing inspiration from various mystical and spiritual movements such as the Kabbalah, a body of Jewish mysticism and magic. They look at every aspect of a spell or a ritual as part of a huge picture. Each piece must be in the right place for everything to turn out as it should. For instance, the astrological phase of the moon during which the spell is performed should be suited for the task. The witch might wear special clothing and move in carefully choreographed patterns. Every part of the working should be designed to build energy toward a desired outcome. Which path you choose depends on your personality, preferences, and talents. Do you enjoy group activities and working with other people toward a common goal? Perhaps you'd like to join a Wiccan coven. Or are you a loner in a homebody? You may be a natural hedge witch. Do you feel a strong connection with the earth and love the outdoors? If so, green witchcraft might be your thing. If you have a flair for the dramatic, ceremonial magic might appear to might appeal to you. Where you live could be a factor too. In the southwestern states, shamanism, influenced by Native American traditions, is popular. In Salem, Massachusetts, you'll find plenty of Wiccans. Let's look at a few of these different practices now. You may find one that intrigues you enough to investigate it further. Origins of the Freemasons During the Middle Ages, some medieval tradesmen became members of secret, mystical guilds. Because they possessed special knowledge of magic and symbolism, as well as skills in carpentry, masonry, or glasswork, these artisans were hired to work on Europe's great cathedrals. The famous rose windows they created had unique healing properties, due to a type of magic that we still don't finally understand today. These early guilds spawned the Freemasons. witches are the original tree-huggers. The green witch walks the path of the naturalist, the herbalist, the wise woman, and the healer. Earth is her primer, the natural world her classroom. The natural world offers many gifts, but comparatively few people in today's technologically driven society embrace them. With the resurgence of nature-based practices and environmental awareness, however, green witches are once again emerging as guardians of nature and of humanity's relationship with our planet. The green witch uses nature's gift to improve the well-being of the physical body, the spirit and soul, and the environment. In earlier times, many people practiced green witchcraft, whether or not they called it that. Midwives? Herbalists, shamans, and other healers knew the powers of plants, both medicinal and magical, and tapped barnacles for all sorts of purposes. They also felt a strong connection to the earth, the seasons, and the cycles of life. In fact, their very lives depended on existing in harmony with nature. The Modern Green Witches Work Today, green witches follow in the footsteps of their ancestors. They honor the earth and all its inhabitants, rocks, plants, and animals. They utilize ingredients from nature to conclude remedies and in spell casting, particularly herbs and crystals. You'll learn more about this in chapters 11 and 12. They work to protect the environment and try to live in harmony with all of creation. They may interact with the divas, elementals, or spirits who guard nature. Using their intuition, they create a channel of communication between the natural world and the human one. A green witch usually works alone with nature as her partner. Historically, green witches lived apart from the community. Those who needed the services of such a witch traveled to see her, perhaps high into the hills or at the edge of the forest. She used the properties of the plants and trees around her to heal others. These days, you're more likely to find a green witch living in the middle of a city or in the suburbs, and her garden is likely to be small, maybe just some containers on a porch or a kitchen window, greenhouse. She might work in an office or in sales or in the service industry. Perhaps she's in the medical field, or she's a teacher or a full-time parent. Today's Green Witch understands that she can't restore nature's balance by isolating herself in the wild. She must bring her knowledge and gifts into the rest of the world. Cities, superhighways, and deforested areas, places where humankind has damaged nature, need the Green Witch's healing power. Living the Green Path A Green Witch isn't defined by where she lives or what she does to bring home a paycheck. Nor is she limited to working with flowers, trees, and herbs. What makes a green witch is her relationship to the world around her, her ethics, and her affinity with nature. She doesn't merely practice green witchcraft, making potions and lotions, healing salves and teas. She lives the green path. The path of the green witch combines aspects of both witchcraft and shamanism, but is wholly neither. It is an intensely personal path that integrates ability, likes, and dislikes. The climate of a particular geographic location and interaction with the energy of the environment healing harmony and balance are all key to the green witch's practice and outlook on life these concepts embody three distinct focuses the earth your local environment as well as the planet humanity in general as well as your local community friends and acquaintances and you Whether you choose to grow your own garden, install solar panels on your home, pick up trash by the side of the road, or get involved in a movement to protect wildlife is totally up to you. Although rooted to the ancient past, green witchcraft isn't a tradition so much as a personal adaption of an ideal. Nobody of informal knowledge is passed on through careful training. No established group mind to which you are connected by sacred ceremonies performed by Elders. The Green Witch's power comes from participating in the miracle that is life, from attuning yourself to the energies of the environment around you. Instead of striving to amass power, you tap into the flows of energy that already exist in and around the Earth. The challenge is how you walk a green path today. In a time of environmental stress, mass industrialization, in, urban, in urbanization. <clears throat> hedge Witches and Kitchen Witches The terms hedge witch and kitchen witch can refer to someone who follows a home-based form spiritual path that can't be clearly defined or identified as an existing neopagan path in some circles they connote a person who engages in a shamanic practice involving spirit journeys or trancing more about this later often with the aid and support of herbal knowledge a kitchen or hedge witch can also be someone who pursues a solitary nature-based spiritual path in earlier times wise women cunning men and other such practitioners were sometimes called Green Witches or Hedge Witches. They work to heal individuals, communities, and any malice in the natural world. Home is a sanctuary. Similar to Green Witchcraft, Hedge Witchcraft is nature-based. Hedge Witches are often solitary practitioners, meaning they work alone rather than with a coven or a group of other people. They may be self-dedicated, but they are rarely publicly initiated into the field. They're more likely to have learned the craft at grandma's side or eased into it as an extension of growing herbs in a backyard garden. Hearth and home occupy a central place in their spiritual and magical work, often kitchen witches work out of their own homes, making those homes places of healing energy and knowledge. Their homes provide shelter and nourishment, for both the body and the spirit. The witch's home is her temple and her sanctuary, which she tends in order to keep energy flowing smoothly and freely. She seeks to support, nurture, and nourish her family, an extended community, both spiritually and physically. That neighbor who always makes you feel comfortable and peaceful in her home, who, soothes, who serves you soothing herbal teas and healthy homemade meals might be practicing kitchen witchery, even if she doesn't call it that. Home-based spirituality. We find the concept of the home as a spiritual center in many cultures and throughout many eras. The home, and in particular the hearth, has often served as a point of connection for god, goddesses, and humankind. In China, the kitchen god is viewed as an important domestic deity, and families hang paper images of the god near their stoves. In the West, kitchen witches use two symbols as joint keystones, the cauldron and the flame. Traditionally, the cauldron represents abundance and hospitality. In magic, it also symbolizes rebirth, mystery, creation, fertility, transformation, and feminine power. The flame is a symbol of life, activity, the divine, purification, inspiration, and masculine power, making it an excellent partner for the cauldron. A clean sweep. The kitchen witch bases her magical practice in her everyday household activities. Cooking, cleaning, baking, and so forth, all form the basis for her magic. For example, sweeping the floor free of dust and dirt may simultaneously cleanse the space of negative energy. That's the real reason witches use brooms, by the way not to fly across the sky. Although we usually think of hedges as surrounding property for witches the hedge is more than a physical barrier. It symbolizes spiritual protection from the stresses of the outside world. It can also be seen as a barrier between the world of humans and the spirit realm. Wicca. The words wicca and witch come from the Anglo-Saxon term Wiki meaning to bend or shape. Wicca's tenets reach back to the old religion of pre Christian Europe, especially that of the early Celts. Its roots roots also dig deeply into prehistoric times and the ancient fertility goddesses worshipped by Paleotheic peoples. Writer Gerald, Gerald Gardiner is commonly given credit for coining the term Wiccan and jumpstarting the modern m- movement in the 1950s. During the 1960s and 70s, as feminism emerged, Wicca gained popularity because it offers greater balance and equality than patriarchal religions. It is one of the few faiths that honors a primary feminine deity. However you don't need a female or a feminist to pursue a Wiccan path. Today, Wicca is among the fastest-growing religious systems in the United States. It is even recognized by the U.S. military. As mentioned earlier, people sometimes mistakenly think Wicca and witchcraft are interchangeable terms. Wiccans generally practice witchcraft, but witches may not necessarily share Wiccan beliefs and therefore would not consider themselves Wiccan. Simply put, Wiccan... Wicca is a religion, like Christianity or Judaism. It has defined practices, beliefs, and ethical codes. Within this religion, however, you'll find plenty of room for personal expression. How many Wiccans are there? According to religion facts, between 1 and 3 million men and women worldwide consider themselves adherents of Wicca. Other estimates put that number closer to 800,000 indiana university of pennsylvania places wicca among the eight largest faith groups in the united states although wiccans observe certain customs rituals and practices the religion is flexible with no dogma no sacred texts and no laws save one do not harm wiccans follow what's known as the threefold law the law basically states that whatever you do whatever energies you put out will return to you threefold three times over, in this lifetime or in the next. Therefore, Wiccans attempt to abide by what's known as the Wiccan Reed. The Wiccan Reed By the Wiccan law ye must, in perfect love, in perfect trust. Eight words the Wiccan Reed fulfill, and ye harm done, do what ye will. What ye send forth comes back to thee, so ever mind the rule of three. Follow this with mind and heart, and marry ye meet and marry ye part. Various branches of Wicca, each with somewhat different views, already exist. Dianic Wicca, for example, has a strong feminist component. Gardnerian Wicca is more formal and hierarchical than some other branches, and its practitioners perform rituals, skyclad. Visit www.wicca.com for more information about these and other types of Wicca. Like all belief systems, Wicca continues to evolve, and young enthusiasts coming to it today will surely expand its ideas, practices, and forms of expressions in the future. Shamanism One of the earliest depictions of a shaman was found in France, in the cave of Les trois Estimated to be at least 15,000 years old, the painting shows a man disguised as a bison and armed with a bow. Originally, the term shaman referred to a Siberian medicine man, but it can apply to anyone who engages in shamanistic practices, regardless of the era and society in which the person lives. In simple terms, a shaman is someone who understands both the spirit world and the natural world, and who uses that knowledge to provide healing, guidance, and protection to his people. The Lessons of Don Juan In the 1970s, the best-selling books of Carlos Castaneda introduced readers to the concepts of shamanism. Castaneda wrote about his five-year apprenticeship with a teacher whom he called Don Juan and described his experiences in what he termed no ordinary states of reality. He also discussed shape-shifting, a shamanic practice that involved projecting his own consciousness into animals and plants. Among the indigenous people of North, Central, and South America, shamans have long served as medicine men, midwives, visionaries, wisdom keepers, and healers. These shaman workers worked with the forces of nature, the deities, and ancestors in the spirit realms, and totem animals to ensure the well-being of their tribes. Walking between the worlds. From the shamanic perspective, the physical world is only one facet of reality. Many other realms exist, and it's possible to travel to these other realities at will. Shamans have learned to erase the barriers that ordinary separate the physical and non-physical realms in order to walk between the worlds. As seers and diviners, Native American shamans use drumming, dancing, herbs, and botanical substances, fasting, and other practices to induce altered states of consciousness. While in these trance states, the shamans journey beyond the limitations of matter and space to gain knowledge, communicate with entities in the spirit world, affect healing, and observe the future. Dreams too provide access into other levels of reality. Although we tend to associate shamanism with Native Americans, you'll find shamans in many other cultures too. Celtic magicians might not use the term shamanism, but they engage in shamanic practices. They explore what's known as the other world, a non-physical place of wisdom, creativity, and imagination, as well as the fairy realm. <clears throat> Often a shaman uses a technique called astral projection, to visit other worlds beyond our earthly one. This allows the person's spirit to journey freely when the physical body remains in a trans-like state. The spirit is also able to temporarily leave the body during sleep and explore the non-physical realms. In these other levels of reality, the shaman might meet spirits that once occupied human bodies as well as gods, goddesses, and other beings that have never incarnated. Spirit Animals When journeying in this way, shamans sometimes seek the assistance of spirit animals or other guides to provide protection and direction. In ancient times, people in many parts of the world believed spirit animals lived in an invisible realm that intersects with our own physical one. These spirit beings helped our ancestors in countless ways, from providing protection to offering healing wisdom to predicting the future. Early humans considered these animal guides and guardians as types of deities, somewhat like angels, and paid homage to them. Native American tribes traditionally established special affinities with certain animals, which became the tribe's totems or sacred animals. They assisted the shaman's personal spirit guides in magical work. Tribes carved totem poles with the images of various spirit and animal guides as a way of showing gratitude and to request continued aid in the future. Sorcerers. Like shamans, sorcerers understand that our planet is not the only realm of existence, nor are we earthlings the only forms of intelligent life in the cosmos. Sorcerers believe the universe contains an infinite number of worlds just waiting to be explored. Furthermore, they're adept at traveling to these other worlds and interacting with the beings who reside there and they don't need a passport to get in. In her book, The Sorcerer's Crossing, Tasha Eblair describes sorcerers as people whose goal is breaking the perceptual dispositions and biases that imprison us within the boundaries of the normal, everyday world and prevent us from entering other perceivable worlds. What she means is, we limit ourselves with narrow conditioned thinking and miss out on a lot. Through training and practice, sorcerers develop the ability to expand their sight beyond ordinary vision and see things the rest of us can't. They can perceive the life in rocks and trees as well as the spirits who live all around us. With practice, the sorcerer attunes herself with her non-physical, energetic body known as the double, controlling and expanding it in order to accomplish feats far beyond what most of us consider normal. For example, a sorcerer might project her double someplace other than where her physical body happens to be at any given time, so that she can be in two places at once. While she's sitting at her desk performing her everyday job, she may simultaneously be chanting in a temple in India or visiting Machu Picchu in Peru. Druid magic. The word druid derives from the Indo-European root dru, meaning oak, as well as solid and true. Originally, druids served as the bards, teachers, healers, judges, scribes, seers, astrologers, and spiritual leaders of the ancient Celts. They conducted rites and rituals, gazed into the future, healed the sick, kept the history of their people, and addressed legal manners within their communities. These wise men and women were highly revered and wielded authority second only to the kings. Much of what we know today about the early Druids has been handed down through oral tradition, folklore, legends, songs, and poetry. As the Romans and Christianity moved into Ireland and Britain, the conquerors destroyed the Druids and their tradition. Thus, most of Druidic history remains shrouded in mystery. Druids and Magic Maya McGee Sutton, Ph.D., and Nicholas R. Mann, authors of the Druid Magic, explain that in con- contemporary Irish dictionaries, the word dreau means magic as well as the spells. Its root, dreau, translates as magician, sorcerer, or druid. This suggests a strong connection between the druids and the practice of magic modern day druids follow beliefs and practices associated with their early ancestors with little actual information available about the old ways however neo-druids interpret the spiritual tradition by blending ancient with contemporary wisdom a reverence for nature knowledge of astrology and divination healing and shamanic shamanic journeying continue to be part of today's druidic practice the druids consider trees to be sacred Oaks, in particular, have long been linked with druid spirituality. Sacred rituals were, and still are, performed in oak groves. Druids believe trees embody wisdom that can be passed along to human beings. Each tree possesses certain characteristics and unique properties that Druids use in their magical work. Rowan trees, for instance, offer protection. Oaks give strength and endurance. Willows are associated with intuition and divination. They're a favorite wood for making magic wands. Mm -hmm. Ceremonial Magic Also called high or ritual magic, ceremonial magic evolved out of the teachings of early mystery schools in various parts of the world. Its practitioners are more likely to describe themselves as magicians than as witches. The Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, an organization that formed in the later part of the 19th century as a secret society, has greatly influenced this type of magic and its practice today. The group's philosophy is founded on the Hebrew qualabla as the doctrines of Hermes Trismegistus and draws upon the belief systems of the Freemasons, Rosicrucians, Gnostics, and others. More formalized and intellectualized than Wicca and other pagan spiritual paths, ceremonial magic involves study of the Kabbalah, astrology, alchemy, tarot, and other subjects. It emphasizes the use of ritual and ceremony, along with mental training. To facilitate spiritual enlightenment, healing, extrasensory powers, and understanding of the cosmic order. Carl Westchak, president of the publishing company Lewin Worldwide, has called this field of magic spiritual technology. Indeed, if you have a fondness for highly developed systems, this path might be it for you. Why engage in complicated and sometimes lengthy rituals? Rituals focus the mind and transport you from the everyday world into a magical one. That's a key reason for intacting them. Rituals rely on symbolic associations that the magician's senses and subconscious mind intuitively understand. Gestures, diagrams, postures, words, images, sounds, scents, and colors all play symbolic roles in magic rituals and ceremonies. Ritual magic often involves elaborate and carefully orchestrated practices that are designed for various purposes. Purification rituals, for instance, cleanse the mind, body, and energy field. Protection rituals divine sacred space and prevent unwanted influences from interfering. The rituals themselves are magical acts. The Magical Kabbalah. The Kabbalah, sometimes spelled Kabbalah, Kabbalah in other ways, is a body of collected teachings that underline Hebrew mysticism. It includes four sections that cover doctrines, magical practices, orally conveyed wisdom, and techniques for working with words, letters, and numbers. It also describes the Tree of Life, which plays an important part in ritual magic and shows the stages of development and pathways to spiritual enlightenment. Sex Magic Mystical rites, rituals, and ceremonies involving sex have been practiced in numerous cultures, east and west, for longer than anyone can document. The early Celts engaged in sexual activity, particularly during the spring planting season and on Beltane, a form of sympathetic magic to encourage the land's fertility. Temple priestesses in ancient Greece combined sex and mysticism. Tantric yoga channels sexual energy towards spiritual goals and also promotes health and longevity. In Wicca's Great Rite, a couple invites the god and goddesses to enter their bodies during sex, and the act is considered sacred. The Origins of Sex Magic Western sex magic is rooted in the teachings of Sufis, adherents of a mystical branch of Islam who supposedly shared their knowledge with the Knights Templar during the Crusades in the Middle East. The Templars brought these practices back to Europe, where they were incorporated into other mystical and occult philosophies. Magic's notorious bad boy, Aleister Crowley, did much to promote and influence the course sex magic has taken in the West. Crowley learned sex magic while traveling in India and Africa, and he emphasized its practice through the organization he headed, the Ordo Templi sex magic can be great fun but that's not its purpose it's in simple terms it's a way to supercharge your magical work and generate results faster according to sex magic's tenets this creative force which is responsible for all human and animal life can be directed to create abundance success healing spiritual growth and so on like other types of magic It taps the powerful creative energy inherent in sexual activities for specific purposes other than human reproduction. Some witches engage in sex magic, others don't. It can be added to any form of witchcraft, magic, or spiritual practice and can be done by anyone. Voodoo or Voodoo when people hear the word voodoo, they often envision dolls stuck with pins, zombies, and hideous rituals carried out secretly in darkness. But Vudan, or voodoo is simply a belief system. First brought to Haiti by African slaves sometime during the 16th century, it emerged in Louisiana 200 years later. Voodoo involves the interaction of humans with spirits. Numerous deities and spirits play parts in voodoo's elaborate rituals and spells. In a traditional voodoo ceremony, worshippers work themselves into a frenzy through music, chanting, and dancing, sometimes accompanied by various forms of drugs and alcohol. During an altered state of consciousness, they become possessed by one of the spirits and collapse to the ground, writhing and speaking unintelligibly. Once possessed, a worshipper is believed to be able to bring about a cure, good fortune, or some other desire. In some instances, animal sacrifices might be offered to the spirits to win their favor. The dark side of voodoo, however, has captured the public's imagination. Some practitioners, it's said, turn the dead into zombies, reanimated corpses who are slaves without wills of their own. The extreme of voodoo's black magic can include all the stuff of horror movies, including control over others, ritual murders, and cannibalism. Santeria. Often referred to as a Cuban mystery religion, the word Santeria literally means the worship of saints. A blend of Catholicism and Nigerian paganism that evolved centuries ago, um, when Yoruba slaves were taken from Nigeria to Cuba, Santeria consists of a pantheon of Orishas, who are a combination of Catholic saints and Yoruba gods and goddesses. If you were raised Catholic, you might find this colorful tradition intriguing. A way to incorporate witchcraft into the religion's training and experience you already have. When a man joins the religion and becomes a Santero, or Santera if she's female, he agrees to worship the saints, to observe their feasts, obey their commands, and conduct their rituals. In exchange for this absolute submission, he gains supernatural powers, protection against evil, and the ability to foresee the future and even to shape the future according to his will. Casting spells and practicing witchcraft are part of a santero's work. A santero often keeps icons or statues of the or- orishas and other saints on his altar, often with flowers, a bowl of water, and a bottle of Florida water, a type of cheap cologne used in many of the spells. The darker side of santeria, known as Mayoberia, is a type of black magic. Of course many other types of witchcraft and magical practices exist around the world. The Polynesian spiritual path known as Huna teaches you to unite three aspects of yourself and channel your primal energy to bring you about the results you desire. Practitioners of the ancient Chinese art of Feng Shui Use a form of magic when they make changes in your home and workplace in order to attract money, love, health, etc. Wherever you go, you'll find people performing magic and doing witchcraft, even if they don't always call it that.